0: the grill and i'm your host my name is paul from grilling with coda be sure to follow me on instagram at grilling with coda to stay dialed into latest podcast news and you can check out what i'm grilling up next now i just wanted to welcome you to another episode of on the grill but with that quick bite twist so let's get right into the show ladies and gentlemen i'd like to introduce my next guest from the volunteer state of tennessee matt far from far matt how we doing buddy Levels, levels. Hey. <laughs> I, I, I should have took bets that you're gonna do that
1: <laughs> it's, it's only it's, it seems like the only appropriate way to start a podcast these days
0: <laughs> well you do have the background of a podcast um, I'm extremely excited to have you on uh, you're super talented gosh they're, they're so they're, I don't know where to start um, Matt you, you want to do a little introduction anything
1: uh sure. I mean I can tell folks about my, myself, talk about myself all day long if you want me to. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh my name is Matt Farr. Um, go by barbecue on Instagram. So um I'm just a backyard barbecuer. I've got a passion for photography. Uh you know, I started this podcast with uh some friends, uh called That Reload Podcast, and we do weekly episodes and so Paul and I actually got to know each other through uh the reload squad so i don't know i'm not that interesting of a guy i'm still trying to figure out why he asked me to come on the show but i guess we'll we'll get into the nuts and bolts of it
0: matt let's let's you're you're downplaying yourself now You recipe you are a recipe developer for the reload team like myself uh i want to say you're your chief recipe developer oh uh, yeah there you did, go do you hear that white Law? that's it you're a part of award-winning reload competition team you guys have won multiple events uh placed well um you are a co-host slash producer like you said for that reload podcast comes out every tuesday yeah your food your food photography content creating has been featured in the likes of lodge iron uh Lodge cast iron uh, Finex cast iron, Traeger grills, Primo ceramic grills, Pit Barrel cookers, Williams Sonoma, and uh, recently you shared that you were featured to not that you didn't know that you were featured in uh, I believe what, Southern Comfort magazine. Uh,
1: Southern cast iron, yeah, oh, Southern yeah. cast iron. Man, I just need to have you come like introduce me every time I do one of these things.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I, I got you. I'm your, I'm your hype man. Let's your do hype it. Fan. Let's go. Uh, matt you're truly a renaissance man you have a certain level of professionalism that is clean and crisp and flows in a way that i myself look forward to a post of yours uh to gain some insight you're truly you are truly talented buddy uh but before we get into those talents i want to get into something i know that you're extremely passionate about baseball yes sir uh what's it like watching baseball with uh, no fans for you
1: uh, it's not too bad you know i actually think a lot of people have. Uh talked about how goofy the fake crowd noise is, but I think when you're watching it on TV, you kind of forget that it's fake. So it's not, it's not, you know,
0: anything. Do you miss, obviously are you missing the fan, the, the element? I mean, I feel like with basketball and, and trying to watch a little bit of baseball, it has, it has thrown me off and it feels a little cheap.
1: Yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, but to be honest with you, it's, I used to go to a lot of MLB games. Uh, we've got the Braves that are just like an hour and a half south of us. So that's something that my wife and I really enjoy going to is professional, you know, professional baseball. We'll go to see the Braves. I grew up a Reds fan. So anytime the Reds are in town, we always try to go to the the full weekend. And that's been the big thing. It's, it's it definitely weird watching them on TV with no fans, but it's been weird not getting to go to the games. So that's been kind of a bummer.
0: Yeah, it's been something to, to look forward to it, especially if I kind of correlate seasons with seasons, uh, sports seasons. So I mean, to not have that that experience of uh, of a uh, sports release, it it kind of throws you off a little bit. And uh, I I just feel like I mean, with the, with all this whole COVID starting, I, I was just like a fighter. I was like, yeah, we're gonna get through this. We're gonna get through this. And now I'm just like over this year. Oh yeah. So
1: I mean, <laughs> even with that. Is- uh, okay. I was going to say, the thing is, is I'm just kind of happy that we're getting baseball at all. Cause for a long time, it didn't seem like we were going to get any baseball. So the fact that they're even playing, I guess I'm just thankful for that. Trying to see the upside to it.
0: Do you think the MLB is learning anything from the shortened season? Uh, we got 60 games and I think, I think we're already at this point, we're halfway through the season.
1: There's some stuff that I hope that, that ends up getting carried into regular, uh, you know, the regular MLB season, hopefully next year when it comes back full force. So like, I really like the seven-inning doubleheaders that they've been playing this season. Uh, there's a couple other things, too. Um, I don't know. Do you know Trevor Trevor Bauer at all? Do you follow any of his, like, social media stuff? No. Uh, so he's actually vlogging what it's like to play. He's a pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, and he's posting vlogs on YouTube right now every couple of days about what it's like to play in the MLB this year. And it's been super insightful, you know, seeing all the protocols that they're having to go through. Um you know i mean it's crazy and is he
0: sharing is he sharing an insight as far as just like a baseball uh like just conditioning or or just on a like a professional level yeah that'd be
1: different he's showing his workout routine every single day and how it varies from like on an off day versus when he's starting and i don't know if you know this or not but the reds actually had a player um they haven't publicly said who it was but i'm pretty sure it was nick senzel so they had a player that was diagnosed with with COVID, and the team quarantined for a couple of days, followed all the protocols exactly, and they ended up not having anybody else on the team that got it. And so it's been interesting seeing his perspective because you know they're doing it right, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's good, and that's glad to I mean I'm good to hear I'm glad to hear it. typically you you do see the uh, the contagion effect. Of uh, COVID, so that's good to hear. Yeah, it'll take uh, like the
1: whole team out for weeks. You know, there was I think like the Cardinals ended up having to play some ungodly amount of double headers just to get caught back up.
0: Yeah, that's got to be weird too. I mean, you mm-hmm. want to make up those games, and uh, and you last thing you want is a superstar to get. uh All right, you you don't want any, obviously you don't want to see anyone, but uh, for a baseball standpoint, you don't want to see a superstar get uh, qu- quarantined or, or COVID uh, sent home. So right. Uh, um we recently see fernando tatis jr shortstop for the padres he was criticized for swinging swinging on a 3-0 pitch that resulted Mm -hmm. resulted in a grand slam how is this even a thing matt
1: the whole unwritten rules of baseball man that's one of the things i also credit trevor bauer with quite a bit is just that he is he doesn't care anything about any of that stuff and i love that mentality it's sort of the let the kids play type mentality where it's just get out there and have fun that's what you're going to have to do to attract the younger audience uh, to baseball. And you know, a, a ton of people think baseball's super boring, but when you get into the nuts and bolts of it, you see that it's not. And so that whole situation, man, I think he was, he had every right to go out there uh, and hit the ball as hard as he wanted to hit it. And so I've totally got his back on that.
0: Would, if you're the pitcher for the opposing team who threw that pitch, are you mad? Are you, are you trash talking? Are you beating him? The next guy? <sighs>
1: I think if he, I mean, if he wants to, that's kind of his prerogative. But at the same time, I think throw a better pitch. You know what I mean? Don't throw a pitch that he can hit for a home run in a grand slam. Like, that's yeah. on the pitcher, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Uh, these rules, I mean, these unwritten rules, I'm not a big base. I mean, I, I am a, a fan. I'm not a fanatic. Uh, I don't know uh, every person in team like I would for basketball or football. But um, these unru- inru- unwritten rules seem like to come out every year. There always gets one that's broken and someone's feelings get hurt. So... Uh, <laughs> it's it's get hurt.
1: you're paying these guys to get up there and hit the ball and so to expect them to go up there and do anything less than that is foolish i think
0: especially in a sh- shortened season um I-, I mean obviously the home we're not gonna see the home run numbers or the rbi numbers that we would see in over a-, a a season that's doubled in games but uh hey man you're, you're paid like i said you are paid to hit get on base um a rumor was he he read the wrong hand signal from the third base coach first base coach so yeah if I mean, you
1: look at the video though he wasn't even looking <laughs> he was gonna hit regardless of whatever he was getting a
0: good cover-up from the Padres yeah exactly uh did the MLB handle the U- the Houston Astros trash can scandal appropriately appropriately
1: that's a tough one man it's tough like I think personally I would have liked to have seen some uh maybe some vacated titles or something like that but Ultimately, I think there was just so much that they didn't know when they handed that, uh, you know, that decision out, you know, were the Red Sox cheating? How was that going to end up coming out? Uh, You know, who else? I don't know, man. It's just been I think that if you were to have vacated that title, then you could have potentially had to have vacated the year before. And then we've got this weird season, too, and it just would have been a bad look for baseball. So ultimately, I don't have all the knowledge. Personally, I would have liked to have seen, you know, some of the individual players at least uh, punished a little more than they were, uh, just because I think that it's a bad look for baseball. Uh, But, man, I don't know. I I think a lot of people give uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of MLB, a hard time, uh, just because in a lot of ways I don't think he's very good at his job. But I think he also has a really difficult job to do, and I, I do not envy the position that he's in when he's trying to make these decisions. Because one, you just don't have all the information. And, and two, there's so much other stuff that you got to think about. You know, when you're handing out some, some huge sentence or, you know, huge penalties to a particular team, there's like ripple effects associated with that. So it, it's a, a tough situation.
0: Yeah, I get it. But I do feel like they did for whatever. I, I, I could have figured this punishment for the Yankees, uh, uh, the Dodgers, uh, the Red Sox, a big name team that has a big draw. Um, I I would have thought you could have seen this, you know, um, a, a flagship team for baseball. I didn't think the Houston Nationals the had that power or maybe, uh, like you said, it came down to the the facts or the actual uh, agenda. I did see, I mean, there was the dugout video of the guy sitting down with the laptop or a trash can like in the dugout hallway. Like it was kind of weird. And uh, obviously, if you've seen the video, you can you can uh, you can hear the, the bang in the trash can. So um they're definitely getting heckled this year and uh they're getting they got a big target on their back so uh good luck oh, you know guys. there's a there's a
1: twitter account that's just devoted to all the times that the astros are getting hit by pitch this season <laughs> as a result uh-huh. of the cheating scandal i think it's called like Astros shame tour or something like that it's definitely worth worth a follow if you're an mld fan at all
0: oh man i can't imagine getting traded as an astro maybe it's uh. Uh, you know, Altuve trade you next year. And you're just like, oh man, it's just such a, a burden. It's just like, uh, Anyways. yeah,
1: he'll, that'll follow him for the rest of his career. And I still think that Altuve especially has some explaining to do about the whole, you know, there was, you know, people were accusing him of wearing like a buzzer to signal different pitches. And that's never been confirmed or officially denied, but there's some very suspect evidence out there of him, you know, running to home plate, after a walk-off, and basically telling the rest of his teammates not to rip his shirt off because of, in my opinion, it's because it would expose that buzzer. You know, something there's something funky going on there. there. So that dude's got yeah, he's got some explaining to do. I didn't
0: even I didn't even think about that, and I didn't even put the, connect the two together. Uh, mm-hmm. We did see uh, Sammy Sosa did have a cork back. Um, obviously, he was the the steroids uh, kind of. Uh, took over his career but he did you know he still has a pretty good reputation not with the cubs but as far as uh the fan base I, i'd say he's a pretty decent guy so hopefully altuve can can uh bounce back he's still a pretty young guy and he, he might be a little harder to hit some home runs without a without the right tool <laughs> without but, the buzzer uh, yeah
1: <laughs> i still say steroids save baseball though i mean baseball needed the the positive pr after the strike in 94 and the mcguire sosa thing is what sort of You know drew a lot of interest back to baseball so
0: oh gosh it was awesome yeah yeah. i mean it was uh, a race and two big dynamite players yeah baseball loved it. i loved it i mean i was i was in the prime of high school and it was just watching it was just fun fun to watch good stuff to watch absolutely baseball knew they 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 knew they knew what was going on uh if they didn't they're just they're just turning the other cheek so anyways uh who's going to be in the world series this year
1: Uh, So I saw some stats today. I think for the National League, at least, there's like a 20% chance that it's the Dodgers. And then uh, there's a pretty, you know, wide margin. It's like 9% that it's the Braves. And so the Braves have had, obviously, I'm a Braves fan. So the Braves have had some pitching challenges. There's been a bunch of guys get hurt in their uh, starting pitching rotation, but they've still managed to squeak out wins. They've got a really good bullpen. So I'm still hoping and saying that the Braves are making it because that's my team and I want to see them go all the way.
0: I like I like how you refer back to the statistics It's it it just sums up how much I just appreciate you and how you are just like you're just a detailed guy I love it yeah uh, all right man before we dig into barbecue I want to get a couple more of your hustles in here um podcast like we mentioned you are a podcast co-host and producer for on uh for that reload podcast um did, right. you ever think, did you ever think this was something that was going to happen or you're going to be doing um uh at any point in your, in your career. Uh,
1: you know, I didn't set out to, to start a podcast. Uh, so uh, for anyone who doesn't know that reload podcast is a, a product of reload rub and seasoning, which uh, Paul and I, mutual friends, Joel and Stacy Licklider uh, own that business. And so I have a long history with audio production. You know, I was in a kind of a garage band all through high school and part of college. And had spent some time doing some audio recording and always thought it would be cool to have a little studio in my house or something like that. And so fast forward several years and a bunch of different hobbies later, uh, I ended up on an episode of Joel and Stacey's podcast at that time. It was called That Reload Life. And uh, they had me and Jeremy Whitelaw on to talk about craft Barbecue. And the thing was, is up to that point, uh, their podcast was kind of spotty as far as publishing schedule. Just because it is a tough job to do. Paul, you know this. It's tough to do when you're a one-man show or just the two of you trying to get something done. And so when we got together, things just kind of flowed and we meshed really well. And uh, after a couple of months of us coming on and then them kind of doing some shows without us and then uh, inviting us back to do some more shows with them, they just kind of, I think that was in November of 2018, in January? Oh. No, no, no. twenty I'm sorry. January, yeah, 20, November yeah, 2019. Uh, in January of this year, 2020, uh, we just kind of got together, had a huddle, and they were like, we just want you guys on the show. Let's just do it together. And it's funny because this is not really something we've talked about on our show, but at the time, we were like, we've got to have a more consistent posting schedule in order to really gain any traction. At least that's kind of our mentality around it. And so... We said, well, let's try uh, every two weeks. We'll do one every other week, and then we started lining up shows, and it just worked out where, like, the first month and a half to two months, we had enough content for every week, and we just haven't stopped. Uh, we've we have consistently posted shows all of twenty twenty. We haven't missed a week yet. So every Tuesday, uh, you can check the feed. That reload podcast uh, is going to be in your feed first thing Tuesday morning.
0: Yeah, it's cool. It's great. I'm a big fan, even if I wasn't ass- associated with. Uh... Reload Rub, which I thankfully I am. Um, I'd be a fan of it. Um, Like I said, you handle all the production. I do uh, post production, and it's phenomenal. It's it's professional. Like I I really didn't know the the depth of your uh, production background. And my both podcasts that I produce, this one and uh, with Spencer uh, Potty Mouth, it's all very basic, very simple. Why? Because it takes time, and you put the time in, and it shows. And it's very very uh cutting edge kind of stuff and and it really man it it's 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 up there it's good um
1: thanks man Uh, we're always doing stuff to try to push the limits and keep it fresh and so what i think this is a little bit of insider information inside baseball if you will uh for your listeners that that may also listen to that show but we're gonna over the next couple of weeks and months we're gonna intentionally be doing new things to try to involve the audience more and so a couple of weeks ago, we introduced a new segment called 22 and 2, which is where we're going to give somebody from the audience a chance to call in and, and duel somebody from the show in a trivia showdown. So stuff like that. We're also doing some uh, interactive questions of the week, which, Paul, I think you actually got in on our first one of those, which is what should our audience be called? But the <laughs> idea is to, to engage the audience, give people shout outs, give people a chance to come on the show and really attempt to build that relationship with our listeners so no I think it's, fantastic. it's gonna be cool
0: yeah no it's fantastic and it flows really good um i know at the end of the day I, like for me if you just hear something out of out of tune or like any any like these ideas that people do are great like add more ideas but as a production guy you're like oh shit more work for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: every time so we do this segment called uh, it's called Pouring on the podcast and we spell it p-o-r apostrophe N. so it's a little bit of a double entendre, but what we do is we, we do a blind t- a tasting of, of bourbons. It's something that we really all enjoy is bourbon. And every time we do a, a porn on the podcast, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to take me forever to edit. Because whenever you're trying to, I mean, if you just think about the challenge there, you've got four people drinking uh, bourbon and it's audio only. You don't have any video or anything like that. And so by nature, there's just a ton of dead space. There's a ton of like lip smacking and, uh, you know, people going, hmm. And then you got Joel like sticking his nose in the glass over and over again, stuff like that. So it's a challenge uh, from an editing perspective to keep the, I'm always thinking of it from the perspective of the person listening. So even though I was there and I saw it happen, I'm thinking, what does this sound like to somebody who has no idea what's going on? Uh, and it's, it's a challenge to keep that stuff interesting. You know, I've had to cut some, some stuff out of the show before that, frankly, it was just awesome. And, and it was awesome to those of us that were there, but when you're listening back to it, uh, on the edits, like this doesn't make any sense. And so, uh, yeah, it's an interesting job. Uh, it, It takes us usually about two hours to record. And then I spend about two to three hours on editing every single week.
0: Oh my gosh. No, thank you. I'm glad. I, I, I'm glad. I I I'm glad a raw, a raw style. I mean, I won't edit this. I won't cut anything. What it what it is is is, is I do a little enhancement, uh, put a little music in. But other than that, it's it's ready to go. Um,
1: yeah, there's something to be said for both. I think. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It feels different. It it feels different voids for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, like I said, you might get a more raw sensation. That's a bad. <laughs> that's a bad analogy i use (laughs) you might get a raw uh feel oh that's still bad analogy. you're gonna get two you're gonna get two different styles of podcasts uh coming from both sides and i'm a i'm i like the raw style and i like that the the highly produced uh show that you guys got uh i'm gonna move on real quick i just
1: had some bourbon go down the wrong pipe (laughs) maybe we'll wish that this one was edited no, you're good. <sighs> okay, has, I'm good. I'm back. Uh, Let's right. do this. Uh,
0: has becoming a podcast personality personality helped you in your personal life?
1: In my personal life? Uh, you know, that's actually a super interesting question. Well, you're on the grill, buddy. <laughs> uh, so, I would say if there... It hasn't helped my marriage or anything like that, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> but it has. Uh, so... You know, like I said, we really kind of started hitting it hard in January of this year. And then in March of this year is when uh, COVID really started cracking down. And I work in an office job in downtown Chattanooga, Tennessee. And around that same time is when we all got sent home. And I now we're recording this in August of 2020. I've worked from home that entire time since then. And so one thing that podcasting, I think, has helped me do is communicate with folks or become comfortable communicating with folks whenever I'm not face to face with them. You know, the majority of the podcasts that we've recorded have been through Skype, which is not all that different from, you know, some of the remote work tools that we use through my regular job. So if anything, you know, if I could say that podcasting has helped me with anything, it's been with becoming comfortable with communicating folks with folks remotely.
0: Oh, absolutely. I agree 110%. And I use it um, just as a tool to learn just about how I speak and, and how I try to get my point across. So, And uh, I agree with you 110%. Yeah,
1: uh, I try I, not to listen back to myself too much. <laughs> really? <laughs> then I'm just going to be like super self-conscious or self-aware. And I still hate the way that my voice sounds. I haven't quite got, gotten over that yet.
0: Yeah, it's still a little weird to hear yourself on the radio or coming through the radio, but it, it's yeah. fun and it's a learning experience. And and like I said, I'm going to keep doing this uh, until it's fun and, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah. Um, has your ear for quality and content become a little more fine-tuned now since you are a seasoned podcast producer? Are you sitting there listening to podcasts, nitpicking? Or are you learning or are you criticizing any podcasts that you listen to?
1: yeah man. That's so funny that you had asked that. I was listening to this show called uh one of my favorite podcasts in the whole world is a show called Reply all and it's kind of nerdy uh it's it's a show about the internet but uh i was listening they they recently republished one of their earlier episodes i think it was like from the the early early days like episode fifties uh and they're in several hundred at this point, but I was listening to it and I was like, man, this guy needs a DSer real bad. He needs to put a DSer on this channel because every time he says anything with an S, it just like kills my eardrum. (laughs) (laughs) And so I don't, I don't claim that our show is perfect by any means, but I've worked really hard uh, to drive for consistency in audio quality. So I've built a template that has, you know, custom EQs and custom compression for each, each person. We've got a, a four person cast on our show. Oh my goodness. Each of that's all custom tweaked. And for a long time I was tweaking from week to week. And then finally I was just to the point where I was like, okay, I've just got to be okay with it because one, this has taken way too much time. And then two, I was like, I really want our shows uh, to sound consistent from week to week because what we find is that as more and more people find the show, they go back and listen to the back catalog.
0: Oh Uh, yeah. You did. Yeah. That's, that's true
1: and so i want our show to sound you know if somebody's listening to it right from one show to the next to the next to the next i don't want it to sound wildly different from the episode before uh
0: that is awesome and you man i from a standpoint of knowing what the heck you're going through it i think that's amazing um and if you have more time on your hand feel free i'll send you the edits of my uh the raw edits of my podcast and you can edit them
1: <laughs> what so are you still working in garageband
0: uh I am, I am. And after this we're gonna go get, get off and you're gonna help me troubleshoot some stuff. So <laughs> Okay, <laughs> let's do it, man. Uh, can we expect you to be starting your own podcast anytime soon?
1: Uh no, man. I so I think that one of the things that makes that reload podcast work is that we all have very complementary skill sets. So where, you know, I'm willing to sit with the tedious, you know, tweaking uh DB settings on the individual audio tracks and building these layered uh musical intros to different segments and things like that Joel is ever bit as good as I am at that stuff he's every bit as good at hosting the show and being that face and you know uh like we've had some guests on that were a little bit difficult to get uh information out of or were clearly uncomfortable and where Joel really excels and Stacy too, uh, to, to a certain extent is just making people feel comfortable. And that is not a skill that I have. And so I think that where they're strong in that area, I'm strong in other areas, you know, Jeremy is hilarious and the wittiest person I've ever met. So he brings that to the show. Stacy does so much work behind the scenes. You know, she's, she's writing complete outlines, doing a ton of research on every guest that we bring on. There's just no way that that show happens unless all four of us are involved in the preparation and execution of it. And so I already know I couldn't do it without those guys. I I have no plans to try.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. You guys are doing good. Uh, Doing great. I'm a big fan. Keep it up, brother. Uh, We're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, I want to get into something I know very little about. I've only done one of these cooks, Uh, bread. Uh, Oh, yeah. uh, Can you give Jeremy... At Kitchen White Law, uh, the credit for getting you started into bread making.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's not something we've talked a lot about, but well, okay, so maybe it's not fair to give him all the credit. So I would say that my success in bread making is definitely owed to Jeremy. Um, So when I got started in bread, I was following online recipe guides and I already knew that I wanted to do sourdough. Uh, And to be honest with you, I was just failing over and over again. And the reason for that was because uh, bread making is something you kind of have to work your way into. You have to start from the bottom, uh, get the basics down. You've got to understand, you know, what the dough should feel like. What does, you know, when you're working with only four ingredients, flour, water, salt, and yeast, every single one of those, the quality and like the minutia of it is very important. And I didn't have an appreciation for that or really an understanding of it so uh what jeremy did was introduce me to a book called flour water salt yeast by ken forkish and he said just read this open it uh, start at the beginning and work your way all the way through it and by the time you're done you'll be cranking out uh, awesome sourdough and so that's oh, what i did
0: you guys are awesome oh sorry about that um how much better does homemade bread taste than store-bought uh
1: it, there's no comparison it's almost like two different you know, so you're a barbecue or a griller. Have you ever had barbecue out that tasted anything close to what you're able to make at home?
0: Oh, no, not at all. Even people like the general public population be like, oh, this place is great. And you go there. And, I, and I, I'm I, not I don't boast about my barbecue. It, it's gotten some good reviews from friends and family. But I mean, I, I don't I don't tout myself um, as that. But it's very hard to find a comparing. Uh, decent barbecue. Um, so, uh, so that's... I think
1: it's exactly the same with bread. Like once you've once you've successfully executed on it at home, you'll 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 still buy bread out. I think from time to time, maybe Jeremy wouldn't, but it's it's a time consuming process. So I'm still going and buying you know loaves of bread for sandwiches and stuff. Excuse me, occasionally. But when I have the time to make it at home, uh, it's a process I really enjoy, and the end product is delicious. I would say just like barbecue the stuff you're making at home is just infinitely better than what you're able to get out
0: That's awesome. Um for me it just feels like like one of the joys I have in life is doing barbecue grilling um the recipe development. So I feel like adding another element bread like on a regular uh on a daily basis would be tough for me to to find time in, but I could like I could see uh, I could see it highlighting or complimenting a good, a good meal, or a good dish, uh, gosh, like a pulled pork sandwich or something to be awesome on a homemade bread, just to bring it up that much more, uh, awesome.
1: Yeah. And you could do like a, uh, so I've got a, a recipe from a guy named Joshua Wiseman for what, what are called Hokkaido milk rolls or milk buns. And this is something that Jeremy and I have both made. Actually, I think Jeremy might've showed them, showed them to me the first time, but it's, You know, if you were to have those buns with like some fresh homemade pulled pork uh, and some like homemade slaw, I'm telling you, man, it would be tough to ever want to eat a different pulled pork sandwich because it's just that incredible.
0: Yeah, And people, friends that come over not having any idea what you're about and they eat the homemade bread and your, your, your craft barbecue, if you will, they are going to be talking about you for
1: years. And that's really what it's about. It's, it's. I don't know it's almost like a servant's heart it's you want to create something that is going to blow your guests away as far as the quality the the flavor you it's something that they're not likely to ever get anywhere else uh and i think that's really what it's about it's about breaking bread with friends and we say the same thing about bourbon or, or my my philosophy about bourbon is the best bottle is one that you're you're drinking with your friends Oh, so we're not
0: we're not going to get into the bourbon. If you want to get into if you want to listen know about Matt's uh fascination with bourbon, listen to the last <laughs> episode of Perry the podcast. The guy is that they are totally geeked out on bourbon. They know it from head to toe. It is awesome. We're not going to touch on bourbon. It could be a whole other segment. Matt is fully qualified to have this conversation. Um uh you use mostly the dust, the Dutch oven correct for your uh your bakes or however you call it, your cooks of bread?
1: yeah I, I use the Dutch oven just because I use you know I have just a regular home oven at home like most people and to really do bread right uh, there has to be an, a steam element in order to allow that that bread to rise correctly in the oven and an easy way to do that at home is to start it in a Dutch oven and then to pull the lid off towards the end of the bake and, and let the outside of the bread really get you know firm and crispy uh, it, uh it, unless you're in a commercial oven, you pretty much have to use a Dutch oven. Gotcha. Makes sense.
0: Um, what's the forkish me- method? Uh, I heard you refer to the the book. Is that, is that the forkish me- method?
1: Yeah, it's so the way that the book is laid out, it starts at the very basics. So it's just uh, like a, a Saturday white bread. So you start the bread first thing in the morning, uh, with just some like active dry yeast or instant yeast. And then by the end of the day, you have a a loaf of bread. And then the next recipe in the book will just be one step further. So maybe it's a bread that you let leaven overnight. You know, you're letting that thing rise overnight in the refrigerator or something like that. And then the next recipe will just be one more step in, you know. So as you're working your way through the book, you're continually adding these steps uh, into your tool belt. And then before you know it, you've got a full sourdough starter that you've cultivated yourself. Uh, You've got bread that you're mixing things like walnut or bacon into and uh, turning out just incredible sourdough. And I think my problem originally was I tried to go straight to that sourdough, not really having a good grasp of the basics. And that's where I failed. And so what Forkish does really well is walk you through starting at the very beginning, becoming familiar with the dough, comfortable with the dough, knowing how it's supposed to feel knowing how important the temperature of the air and the dough is, and then just working it all the way up, you know, through the super. So you're,
0: you're learning through a progression pretty much. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay. Right on. Makes sense. Uh, I bet the house smells magnificent when you're pulling this, this bread out. It just, oh, there's nothing, nothing more awesome than smelling a, a house filled with bread smell just oozing out of it.
1: Yeah, except when your wife's pregnant and I'm trying to bake bread in her first trimester, and she can't stand the smell of food at all. <laughs> Great. So, so the bread's kind of been on hold. We just started trimester three, so hopefully I'll start it back up as soon. As it starts cooling off. I, I hate to try to bake when it's warm outside, just because I want to be outside grilling if it's warm. So I oh, think a God. bread more in, is like in, a winter, a winter oh. type food.
0: Oh yeah, compliment a stew or anything. Oh man, for uh, sure. What bread recipes on your radar?
1: Ooh, uh, so a couple, uh, so in flour, water, salt, yeast, my go-to is, uh, a recipe that Forkish calls paying to campaign, which I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Uh, but it's a, oh, a, it. a French type loaf, which is a hybrid leaven dough with, uh, sourdough and instant yeast. Uh, so you get, you know, repeatable results. Uh, but you still have that tang of the sourdough, so that one's good. I've actually really uh this spring got into some brioche uh so it's like a real buttery type uh roll or or bun did quite a bit of that and then twenty twenty was supposed to have been the year of pizza for me, so <laughs> I was gonna try to do some uh sourdough uh pizza crust and you know I always set these yearly themes at the beginning of the year and then and try to execute on those. And what I didn't anticipate was that 2020 is actually the year of editing. (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. So between the podcast and then I've done a couple of YouTube videos trying to get, uh, you know, some video making chops. I've got some stuff coming up that I can't quite talk about yet, but there's gonna be some more videos that I'll have some involvement in. Uh Uh, Just the editing has been super time consuming and it's taken away from some of the cooking, unfortunately
0: absolutely and uh it spreads you thin um yeah listen if you want any bread tips if you want any bread inspiration please follow matt ask matt a question dm him um i believe William sonoma did post or uh, did uh publish uh, a picture because your. i mean obviously your food we're not going to even get into your photography it's phenomenal it's it's professional as 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 it gets um but i know like we talked about uh the southern cast iron featured just recently uh, a picture of yours. And then I believe it was William Snowman, right? It was a bread picture. Yeah, it was actually the same picture,
1: believe it or not. Oh, I was oh, like, strange. man, if and if you go back and look at that picture where I posted on Instagram, it has like significantly fewer likes than a lot of the pictures surrounding that it. Is, that <laughs> so, is so weird for some reason, you know, some folks have just latched onto it. You know, Southern cast iron asked me if they could publish it. And I was like, yeah, just send me a copy for free. Uh, I just want it so I can frame it, and then William Sonoma asked if they could repost it too, which was cool. I mean, you know, obviously you don't get anything off of that stuff other than uh, exposure, but in in a weird way, I think that we're all on Instagram looking for the imaginary internet points and the validation from others, and so there's, in my opinion, no real you know a higher validation on a, a food picture than than William Sonoma and being published in a food magazine. So sure. I,
0: absolutely. I was pleased. Absolutely. And you should be And it's, it's a man. It's, it's such a, a coveted, uh, place where you, where you're at Williams-Sonoma, um, just to get a repost on them. And like you said, this is, we're all doing this for fun. I mean, yeah. but the picture quality, you take it, it's professional. I mean, you would think this, this post was by a paid professional, um, uh, so I mean it's 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 bar none. Oh, Hi, you said a high bar. It's awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad you're, I'm glad we're on the same team. Yeah. Uh, all right, Matt. We're gonna get into what what started this all. Your barbecue. Um, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to do a little bit different. Um, I'm not gonna go into much recipe and stuff. I just I, I, you're a brilliant mind. Uh, obviously, be, people can tell that you're you're extremely into details and you do see stuff at a different uh A different wavelength, if you will, or just a, you get a different vibe from from you and it's it's great i um i, I want to kind of peel back the onion if you will, on your brain here so uh oh man hopefully you're not too uh two two sheets of the wind with that that bourbon there <laughs> no I, I caught most of it up a minute ago <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, perfect all right give it to me
0: all right um competition um you're my first guest who has a little competition actually, you know what Chuck was had a little competition I didn't get into it, so am gonna get into it with you? um was there a different rush or a different vibe uh different approach that you had uh, going into competition barbecue?
1: Yes, absolutely. So there I've done a couple of different kinds of competition. I uh, actually started doing backyard comps in KCBS or what's called KCBS which which is Kansas City Barbecue Society. So when you do a KCBS competition, there is very there's a very specific type of barbecue that the judges are looking for. So It's typically very sweet. Um, you know, when you turn in pulled pork, it has to be firm, but, and not mushy, but not too firm, uh, which is fine. I'm fine with the texture of it, but I just don't really care for ultra sweet, almost candy barbecue. Um, the ribs, uh, you know, of course everybody, I think is pretty, pretty familiar with competition style ribs, but you got to be able to, to bite the rib off the bone and leave a perfect like half moon crescent. So, uh, and then the brisket is just a whole other thing. So ultimately I did one KCBS backyard comp, ended up in a weird turn of events competing in a pro KCBS competition um, where I was the only one there with a actual stick burner uh, smoker everybody else was using either pellet grills or ceramic cookers, uh, which was weird because when you're up against that and you're using a stick burner going for, I was kind of like the rogue. We were we were doing almost like Texas style barbecue at a KCBS event. And nice. of course we, we placed terribly because that's just not what they're looking for. And that was the last KCBS event I did because my heart just wasn't in it. That's not the kind of barbecue I want to make. That's not the kind of barbecue I want to eat. And so I started moving more towards like uh, people's choice type events. I want to make barbecue that people actually enjoy, that want to eat, you know, very, you know, the good stuff, the stuff that like, if I was to own a restaurant, this is the kind of stuff I would serve. Absolutely. And that's actually the first time I ever met the Reload crew, uh, Joel, Stacey, and Jeremy, they came down to the Scenic City Egg Fest, which is a big, you know, big green egg festival that happens here in town. and. Uh, my wife and I had planned a whole menu uh, to compete in this uh, people's choice competition that was going to happen at this festival and the, the dishes that we put together and that ultimately Joel, Stacy, and Jeremy helped us execute on and pass out to the public were intentionally crafted uh, in a way to appeal to the masses. And ultimately we ended up taking home first place in that one, uh, Long story short, we ended up going back the next year uh, after putting together more as a team, the whole Reload crew put together, uh, what are these dishes like? And, and, you know, had these ideas, we were all sampling, providing each other very critical feedback. Like, for example, I love cilantro. I love lime. It turns out I like cilantro and lime a lot better than the average person. (laughs) And so whenever I put together like a cilantro lime crema, it's like, it's going to punch you in the mouth. But the relationship that we have with those guys is just that they're going to be like, you know, this is good, but I think it's too much for most. And when you're catering to the masses, you want something that most people are going to like. And so ultimately, you know, we work well as a team together. We're able to provide each other that feedback and the dishes that we put out uh, were successful. And so we won again in 2019. And we were going to go for three years in a row this year for 2020, but unfortunately, The Rona canceled uh, Scenic City Egg Fest 2020, so we'll have to come back in 2021. Defend the title. That's
0: nice. You excited about that? I I imagine you're just super excited.
1: Yeah, for us, that's like almost like a homecoming at this point. You know, you see old friends. We we've rubbed shoulders with some of the top folks in the barbecue industry. I don't know if you know Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy, but he was set up next to us last year. And we, we handed him a piece of candied bacon that we had made. And he was just like, oh, man, that's cheating! Like, that's so good. There's no way you don't win with that. And, of course, we did win. So it's cool to make those connections with folks and uh, build those relationships that that last. So, yeah, I'm sad it's not happening this year. Definitely looking forward to it next year.
0: Right on. Best of luck. And uh, like I said, I'm glad you guys are on my I'm on the same team as you guys. So <laughs> keep keep doing what you guys do. Um, all right, we're gonna switch gears a little bit, go into the backyard, uh, your, your little bread and butter back there. Yeah. Uh, how, does your approach, how does your approach change if you're cooking for your family uh, or to like a larger crowd? Obviously uh, Thanksgiving, or if you're just having a big barbecue, um, how are you handling this?
1: Oh man, it's not that different actually from how I might think through preparing for a people's choice uh ultimately like for thanksgiving we we have hosted thanksgiving at our house basically for i think like the last 10 years um just because i'm the cook in the family yes uh, i come from a, a family like my mom's a huge uh dessert baker uh, she does cakes and and sweets and has been very successful in that and i've always kind of just been like the savory cook and so I don't smoke a whole lot like barbecue wise around Thanksgiving. I usually smoke a couple of hams. Uh, I've got a really good recipe for like a salted caramel and peach uh, double smoked spiral sliced ham that's delicious. Oh my gosh. Um, and then I, I know a lot of people will smoke turkey, but I've got, for whatever reason, I've got this soft spot in my heart for a fried turkey, deep fried <laughs> turkey. That's the way to go. Uh, you brine it for 24 hours ahead of time. Uh, dry it off good and fry it and that's like that's the one dish that we have to have from year to year just because it's always such a hit
0: hey whatever works whatever keeps family coming over and put right. the smile on their faces uh, at the end of the day that's that's what that's what people are coming over for yep. Uh what happens if you have a guest who's vegan or, or is not a big fan of barbecue food
1: man i live in the south I don't know if you know this about me, but it's not really <laughs> something I have to deal with. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm sure it's not something we've run into yet, to tell you the truth. Uh, all of my friends, uh, and maybe this says more about my friends than I, I've realized up to now, but <laughs> all mm-hmm. of my friends have a very similar, you know. Ultimately, my, my, my friend circle is, is built around food. Um, Perfect. That's and good. so we're all... If anything, a lot of my friends are more adventurous eaters than I am. So, of course, you know, Joel and Stacy are big outdoorsmen, uh, big in the hunting community. And I've I've tried more wild games since I've been friends with them than I've had in my entire life up to that point.
0: So. Your gag reflexes. <laughs> uh, what was the one you gagged on? It was a heart?
1: Yeah, so oh, Joel, God. we did a Thanksgiving Day show uh, in February of this year, and it was called Awful Valentine's Day. And Joel had an elk heart that he had prepared. And this was before I had even tried venison, never even had venison up to this point. And uh, so the first wild game I'm trying is like a pan-seared elk heart. And I just, you know, that's all. That's the other thing too, is I think you know, Joel <laughs> is and Danny, is th- those Reef? guys, Would eat, they would eat the heart right out of the animal. I'm convinced. Like it put a hard sear on both sides and it's good to go. And I was just not raised that way. Like I'm a medium rare kind of guy, maybe medium even, depending on the cut. Uh, so, uh, when they served that heart to me and it was, it was straight up blue rare. I mean, I was, I was trying to get it down and it just did not work. I couldn't do it, man.
0: (laughs) I had the elk heart from Spencer. Uh, or deer heart venison i don't know what it was it was heart or something and i, I like saying with you is tough and we didn't know I, I like he he's asking me i was like dude i don't know what heart's supposed to taste like yeah uh, so, and it's it was just oh i For can't me, do liver i can't do liver either it's tough i do liver supplements now so
1: it was less about the flavor and more about the texture of it so it was almost like a spongy meat like a sponge meat that was just blue rare and Then getting over the, uh, the mental hurdle too, I think is the whole other part of it. So I'll get there someday. I I, I will try it again and I will like it at some point. I just got to work up to it.
0: Absolutely. I'm with you. Um, how do you handle a two protein cook? Meaning you got, uh, you're going to cook a chicken or like a hot and fast steak. How are you, how how are you approaching this?
1: I probably use two cookers.
0: No, 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 no pressure, huh? (laughs)
1: it just depends man i've got i've got a what's called a primo ceramic grill which is uh it's like a big green egg except it's shaped like an oval and their their big thing is uh two-zone cooking so having that flexibility where i could just put something almost in a zone on the cooker that's like a keep warm uh i could i could do i could do chicken and steak on that super easily i think
0: i i'm a i'm a freak or just like a diva when it comes to serving and i want it to be ate eaten at the appropriate time just the 10 minute rest i need you to eat it because if not i don't want it to be dry you know so yeah and that's where like that two protein comes in it i'm trying to like balance and get the time right and uh you know nothing's perfect but still uh it, it's it's always kind of one of those things where i'm just like man i just want to do one protein and call it a day <laughs> i
1: think that's why like surf and turf works so well though because if you're doing a steak. Like if you're reverse searing a steak and then serving it with some shrimp or something like that you know that shrimp's going to be done super fast so you can almost start the shrimp as you're searing the steak and and have everything come off at the same time
0: or almost just let the the steak uh, rest and then throw your your shrimp on because uh, obviously a a shrimp or lobster is going to get chewy if it just sits too long so yeah exactly Um, so you got to be careful when you're
1: picking your protein
0: Absolutely, and uh, that's why I wanted your uh, input. um how you do how do you approach a new recipe? Obviously, you're part of the reload recipe development team. Uh, but how are you approaching a new recipe, or is it just like me? you're just dumb luck and you just come across something that works
1: That's a good question too. A lot of times so uh, how about I'll give you a good example um, in biscuits. So I spent a lot of time trying to perfect my southern biscuit recipe and traditional Southern biscuits are flaky layers. So you roll it out and laminate the dough almost like you would a croissant. And Whitelaw told me that his flaky layers were better than anything I can make. And so my approach to that was to go and learn everything about flaky layers biscuits that I could. And so I went, I did Whitelaw's recipe, although he gave me crap because I tweaked it a little bit and then, I don't know about you, but I'm never doing a recipe exactly like it calls for. I'm always tweaking stuff along the way. Right. And then went and did the recipe that I had sort of developed through a lot of trial and error and still thought mine, in, you know, my preferences were that mine were was better than his. And so we ended up putting it to the test and mine won in that instance. So I guess when you say like your approach to recipe development, it's a lot of trial and error and then learning everything I can about a particular recipe and, and figuring out what it is that I would tweak to make it better.
0: Absolutely, perfect, well done. I, I agree, 100%. Uh, how do you test out a new rub?
1: Uh, I lick my finger and stick it down into the rub bottle and then get the rub off my finger. I think there's no better way to test a rub than to see how it takes tastes straight out of the bottle. I Absolutely. Think I'm, I'm not gonna put anything on any kind of steak or cut of meat that I haven't tasted by itself first.
0: Yeah and that's 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 easy Uh, i typically like to go with a uh like a breast chicken breast i just know uh uh, that breast is going to take on that flavor so i i think to gauge as much salt is going to be in there if it's going to be too salty um i like uh if a rub's going to be uh you can pair a a rub so that's always fun but uh, like there's always that barometer what's this rub going to do with a certain meat so um, and and it's fun
1: there's some rubs I think that would be good on chicken, and some some rubs that may, like the chicken's not going to do the rub justice. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so that's true. But it I, matters the protein you're putting on too.
0: Ah, for sure. And um, thankfully we got great rubs that back us, and they're they're that's really right. yeah. So they, they 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 can go on dirt and taste good. So uh, <laughs> that takes the hard part part of our our job out uh what are your thoughts on sparkling ice black cherry on ribs have you seen this done before i I saw grilling with dad do it
1: yeah i don't know if was the one who started it or if it's just you know kind of a trend i've never tried it i'd be willing to try it i've spritzed ribs with a ton of different things you know apple juice was kind of my go-to um for a while and to be honest with you i don't think that the fact that it's carbonated is really going to matter but it's a sweet liquid that you're spritzing with, and in my opinion, there your sparkling ice black cherry is probably not that different from like an apple juice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I'm with you, it's almost that competition style. It's almost too sweet for me, and I can only eat so many. Uh, the same with pork uh, burn ends, it, they're almost too sweet for me. I can only have three or four, and it just upsets my stomach. But um, uh, competition yeah. ribs, this for whatever reason, the sweeter the better. Uh, I think that black cherry. Uh, sparkling ice has a little bit to do with the color it can give off um so hey to each their own it's something i definitely want to try um uh some big names are using it so it might be the new little little wave here
1: yeah don't knock it Uh, till you try it right
0: absolutely and then uh if you win with it keep doing it i guess that's right um what goes into deciding what barbecue or grill you're going to use i know you got a ton uh of to choose from but what what do you have certain recipes you do only on a certain grill or are you just kind of always just pushing the envelope?
1: I think it depends. Uh, so my my main two grills are that Primo ceramic grill, uh, which I was an ambassador for them for a time. I'm not anymore, but obviously I still have the grill. I still love it. And then I've got uh, a pellet grill, which is a little bit bigger. It's got more real estate than the ceramic grill does.
0: Are you gonna and, name which pellet grill this is? Uh,
1: I, I mean, I have a Traeger. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm, I'm not endorsed by Traeger. I've, Jeremy, I've couple, Jeremy, that
0: was for you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the the Traeger's always been good to me, man. Like I know some people have a bad taste in their mouth about that brand. Uh, maybe rightfully so, but um, I've never been a part of the quote unquote Traeger fraternity. You know, the folks that were all getting the free stuff through Traeger. Um, it's, I've always bought all that stuff. The products have treated me well. Uh, so I just kind of keep going back to them. Uh, but anyway, so it depends on... What I'm looking for. So if I'm doing barbecue, I think there's a place for each. I think the pellet grill is really more about con- convenience than it is flavor. Uh, in my opinion, I'm going to get a significantly better flavor off of the ceramic cooker with uh, real charcoal and maybe chunks of wood, uh, especially on like a low and slow cook. I would never do a steak on the Traeger just because I think that. I've got a, what's called a PK grill. I don't know if you've seen those. It's a cast. It's, it's kind of like a Weber alternative. absolutely. Um, But I think if, at this point, if I could only have one grill, it would probably be that one. And it's the smallest kind of simplest grill, but get amazing flavor off of it. And it's crazy versatile, but you can do low and slow cooks. You could do hot and fast, but uh, like, if I'm doing a steak, I'm going to the PK. If I'm doing pork butts, You know one or two probably the uh the primo especially if i've got time to kind of keep an eye on it if i'm doing a 24 hour brisket it's going on the Traeger, just because nobody's got time to sit and you know babysit a smoker for 24 hours
0: absolutely and uh we're kind of the same my 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 gauge is about an hour then i'll throw it on this pellet smoker Mm -hmm. Uh, anything below it goes on my weber kettle and like you said it's pretty comparable to the uh pk yeah pk weber people have won world championships on it as far as steaks concerned yeah. um uh, with with the grill grates it's a hard to beat combination um so
1: and i'd tell you so do you have the grill grates for your weber oh yeah absolutely have you flipped them over and done burgers on the flat side of the grill grate
0: oh yeah i do that um i do that burgers and uh carnitasada okay um, my grill grates flipped over on my gas grill and it's i can't get away from it it's it's awesome
1: so why on the gas grill and not just over charcoal
0: it's just that higher heat uh that direct uh more a bigger f- uh heat heat surface area i want to say um i mean i should do a better job st- stacking my charcoal but mm. for me i just I, I just i can't mess up with the gas grill it's, it's, little, it's easy right it's easier yeah and it's it's such a quick i mean my stakes they take five minutes. My burgers take, you know, six minutes. I don't yeah. want. I don't want to fire up charcoal just for that. I mean, I will, but um, they came out so good, and people are like, "How'd you cook this?" And it's like, "Well,
1: they gas grill." <laughs> you know, so hard to hard to argue with those results. But I would say, so if you haven't ever tried the the flipped over grill grates over charcoal, it's almost like a flat top sear with the flavor of charcoal still. And for me, that's what. I would tell you the best burger I've ever had came off of my PK with flipped over uh, grill grates over charcoal. And oh yeah, that flavor combination with that sear is just impossible to beat, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. I mean, like I said, they win championships, state championships on just a simple old charcoal grill and yeah. grill grates, and it yeah. wins. Um, does pellet blend make a difference for you?
1: <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, I'm not going. You're good. I
1: think. I think on a low and slow cook, especially fruity pellet blends, especially if you're getting like a quality pellet that's made with real fruit wood and not just like fruit wood oils with alder or something like that, I think it can make a difference. I think it's, a, uh, if you did a brisket low and slow with like real cherry pellets compared to real oat pellets, you're going to be able to taste that difference in my opinion.
0: So you're saying after a long period of cook, you're going to see a big difference. Yeah, I got you. Makes sense. Um, what do you, What do you usually rock?
1: For a, a pellet blend, usually it's a maple, apple, and cherry.
0: Mm, man, so that's best that best. Smells good.
1: It It smells awesome, especially on pork. Uh, you know, if I'm doing beef, like a brisket, I'm going for oak or maybe pecan, uh, but usually oak. Are you
0: you just you're just trying to hold that um that tradition of Texas style brisket with that oak and, and just that real. Uh, earthy kind of flavor
1: yeah man so i made the mistake last year um last last spring the wife and i packed up and took a trip across the united states just took off in the truck and and didn't look back for two weeks and part of that was we ate some incredible brisket at some big barbecue places uh through texas and ever since i had a taste of the good stuff i've been trying to recreate it at home and i still haven't quite figured it out yet but i've gotten pretty close and, uh, I, how about this? When I do figure it out, I'll post the recipe on my, web, on my website, barbecue.com.
0: Absolutely. Perfect. And, uh, you did go out on a limb, uh, and you talked about, and it was actually one of my questions. You did do a 24 hour brisket, which, yep. uh, I would see not no reason why. I mean, you're going, typically you're going to see a 16 to 14 hour range on a brisket anyways. Uh, why'd you choose to go to the 24?
1: Uh, cause I was asleep while it was finishing off. Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean. So- I had I had an opportunity to try it because so a couple of things I think in order to get a truly great brisket you have to have truly great bark and the bark development only happens with time so what I did is I started that thing off on the pellet grill basically as low as the smoker would go to try to really get as much of that bark development as possible and then I'll probably catch some heat for this but when it came time to wrap it, I ended up wrapping it and moving it into my inside oven to finish it off. And I had a, the highest quality brisket I could get. I got a prime brisket from Ultimate Family Meats. I love those guys. Uh, so it had some great marbling in it, great fat content. I knew it could stand the heat and the time. I would say if I was doing it with like a choice brisket or something that wasn't marbled quite as nicely, it probably wouldn't have turned out as good. But I got that crazy bark development. And because of the low and slow nature of the cook, I also got it to be super, super buttery tender. So I'd do it again. It was great, man.
0: Really? You'd do it again?
1: Yeah, I'd do it again. Nice.
0: Nice. Interesting. Uh, Speaking of which, if I'm coming over tomorrow for dinner, uh, what, what are you cooking for me?
1: Ooh. See, you're from California, so I'm betting. Have you ever been to the South? You ever been to the Southeast United States?
0: Uh, I did a little bit of Florida, uh, Mississippi, Louisiana. I did all that. I did all that. I mean, never, never, uh, like Virginia, but uh, yeah. Have you if ever had, had
1: real Southern cooking? Uh,
0: I'm gonna go say no. I'm gonna say no How about that. So
1: I would probably. It depends on. So a lot of Southern food is is very seasonal. So depending on when you were here, I would try to cook something fresh for you. Like if it was right now, I'd probably do grilled corn on the cob. Uh, maybe. Uh, what my granny used to call hoe cakes, which are, it's a skillet fried cornbread, uh, almost like a pancake, but it's savory. It's a cornbread batter that gets really crispy on the outside. And then uh, I would do fried okra. I don't know if you've ever had fried okra, but it's a southern staple. Absolutely delicious. Hmm. Probably either fried chicken or like, a, we have a really good recipe for a... a uh, beer braised pot roast or short mm. ribs—that's uh, oh, yeah. just to die for. I'd probably make you something like that. I don't know if you're a meatloaf guy. Uh, I don't post oh, a lot great. about it on Instagram because meatloaf is just not very pretty. But I make yeah. a, a heck of a meatloaf too.
0: I will be down for meatloaf. I love meatloaf, and cool. I love I love meatloaf on the smoker. Uh, the Traeger recipe—I love it. The pork, yep. yeah, it's great. um What are we drinking?
1: Bourbon, man. It's got to be bourbon. If you're coming over, I'm breaking out some of the good stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm coming over. <laughs>
1: All
0: right, brother, I want to get into the last section, uh, but I want you to feel like you're at home on your, uh, your podcast that you uh, we talked about you co-host uh, weekly. So I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, that flavor, hometown flavor with some rapid style questions. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Tied in, with, tied in with your little reload recommends, just so you feel comfortable. I want you to feel like you're right at home. Uh, do I'm I have gonna... to
1: recommend a song?
0: Uh, we can get there. Yeah, we can get. I gotta get
1: there. have to have to queue one up for you. No, I <laughs> okay. Let's see. Let's see how this goes.
0: Uh, all right. I'm gonna call this Far's Facts. Um, give me your favorite reload rub. Just one, buddy.
1: Like, I'm Fa- my favorite's Magnum, but I feel like everybody says Magnum, uh, and it is is probably the best. I would tell you my sleeper is uh high caliber. High oh. caliber does not get the love that it that it's due. It's I know, awesome.
0: Yeah, and I need to bust it out more. I don't know why. I oh, man, I need to get I need to get some high caliber love going. Thanks for motivation. Yeah. Uh, top three bourbons.
1: Give me them. No price range. So, do you want like actual expressions or just brands? Whatever you want, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say okay. I'll go 1792 Sweet Wheat, uh, Weller Antique 107, and. Mm, I'm really liking uh, one that the Reload folks got me called Fugitives. Uh, it's a Tennessee whiskey called Grand Go- Grand Gossier. Uh, it's a, ten- like I said, a Tennessee whiskey single barrel. So that's my top three. Nice.
0: Cheers. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'll take your word for any of those. So uh, is there a grill or barbecue you have your eye on? I know you just recently bought your PK, but uh, is there another one? You, I mean, you do have to buy it anytime soon. Is there, no, is there another one you have your eye on?
1: I think if I was given the choice, I'd probably uh, switch and I know this is gonna be crazy, but I would switch probably out of the Traeger. I'd give up my Traeger and my I've got a four burner a camp chef flat top. I would get rid of both of those and I would move just to a camp chef's uh, pellet smoker with the sidekick that's got the flat top and the sear box and the pizza. Oh, one. Just those because are awesome. Yeah, the versatility and also just reclaiming that deck space, I think that'd be a cool a cool thing to do.
0: So you're out of space right now.
1: Uh, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm out of, if I added anything else at this point, it would just feel cluttered, you know?
0: Yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, how many do you have right now, though? Oh, geez. Uh,
1: I've got the Traeger Ironwood 885. I've got, like I said, the four burner camp chef, flat top. The PK, I've got um, the Primo large ceramic. I've got the pit barrel. I've also got what's called an uni pizza oven. I don't know if you've seen those. Yeah, those are uh, sweet. Man, they're so hard to use. But yeah, that was one of the things I was going to figure out this year with the year of pizza was how to use that thing. (laughs) It's just put up in a shelf getting dusty. So I'll get that thing back out sometime. Um, I think
0: that's it. That's huge. Awesome collection. Um, Man, that's that's a big collection. That's good. And you deserve every one of those. Uh, (laughs) uh, We both found some good news this week um we Should both you? yeah um i entered i tagged you did and i enter i just however you want to say i just signed up for it uh the stargazer uh giveaway and yeah. i won i won yeah. and I, I i tagged you and you and i are both gonna win and we both won a 10-inch stargazer skillet uh you are gonna have the trifecta you're gonna have the iron um the lodge and the finex and now you're gonna have the stargazer what's the first thing you're gonna cook in the stargazer
1: uh, you know, I think the real test of a cast iron skillet is can you fry an egg in it without the egg just sticking to it like crazy. So I'll probably try to fry an egg in it and see how that goes.
0: Perfect, man. You're just stacked with cast iron. Um, yeah. And we got those cool little cups. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but these cups are four cups or a hundred dollars. They're sweet. wood. Yeah, cup. yeah. I'm looking
1: forward to seeing them. Uh, how many people did you tag in comments on that post?
0: Um, I usually only do two, two or three, and. Uh, um, especially the ones that you have to tag, you have to follow like seven people. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, but I mean, that was, that was one I wanted to win. So I, I'll, if there's one, I really want to win. I'm giving away my secrets here. If there's one I want, I want to win. I'll usually do four or five and I'll follow. Um, and I, I've had my eye on Stargezer stargazer for a minute. So I was, I literally jumped up and fist pumped when I won that. <laughs> and I didn't realize the person I tagged, which was you was winning. So they said, Hey, we're going to message matt and i said hey, make sure you tell him that he owes me insurance. yeah and they did too yeah. <laughs> They said paul said he owes you yeah. or you owe him yeah, yeah that, that was, was great cool. man that was cool you can thank me later um, i thank you right now uh, perfect um you and i have a total geek connection um thanks to my dad i am super into washing my car uh <laughs> you got into it too you just bought a deionizer. ionizer um I, I think i said that right yeah uh, but but what's your favorite chemical guys product for washing your whips
1: your cars oh, man, probably uh the honeydew snow foam oh, i think man. the way that stuff comes out of the the foam can is just hard to beat that is awesome it, have, it's have such, you tried it
0: no no I, I i need to burn through my uh my citrus and then i'll, I'll get through it but yeah uh,
1: yeah pick some of it up it smells incredible too
0: Man, all that stuff smells good. It smells, oh, the, um, gosh, what's it called? The clay bar lube? Oh, my goodness. It smells like bubblegum. gum. I don't know how they do it.
1: Perfectly. I have been hesitant to get into the clay bar. You know, I know this isn't like a car detailing show, but I want to get into the clay bar, but I'm scared because I've read that it can mar the paint up. And I also want to do like the uh, Meguiar's 102 and 202 or whatever, like the actual compounds to, to buff and polish. And I feel like you almost have to be prepared to do that after the clay bar in order to really do it right. And I'm scared that I'm going to like burn through my paint or something like that. So (laughs) I'm working up to it. I'll get there one day. Um,
0: I would recommend get the clay bar, not for like I said, you can be scared for the paint all you want, but for the windshield, it works amazing. It Mm -hmm. is. I I never thought about it and it it works. My wife has hairspray and she sprays in her car. It, It was caked on the outside or the inside of the, uh, the, uh, the windows windows yeah. yeah and i could never get it off and uh i talked to chemical guys and they're like yeah dude the clay bar it came right off i was like well i've used everything Wow, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah pretty cool um
1: uh do you have a song for us this week man i can i can cue one up let me go so little known secret so i run uh we we do this little segment at the end of our shows called reload recommends and i always suggest a song uh And so we add those songs to a uh, Spotify playlist called Reload Recommends. And I have a feeder playlist just because I find songs. We only add one or two songs a week and I find songs so much faster than that. Uh, I have to keep up with them somehow. So let's see. uh, Here you go. I got one for you called Peach Buzz by Camp. I don't have the whole, um, uh, you know, the whole spiel laid out. Usually I'm talking about what album it's on and all the awards it's won and what year it came out and everything like that but uh i don't know you want me to you want me to play it right now
0: yeah queued up for a few minutes, uh, seconds i
1: was in the corner drinking from- All right. That's all you're going to get. Now I can't use that one on our show. So there
0: you uh, go. <laughs> sure, yeah. That's actually a good one. Um, I like the They got the Van Morrison kind of kind of raspiness and uh, sounds pretty good. I'm going to have to cue that up on my, uh, my, my uh, playlist going.
1: Yeah. It's, it's camp. C-A-A-M-P. The song's called Peach Buzz. Gotcha. It's coming up right now. Um,
0: All right, Matt. Last two questions here. Um, I know you got a baby on the way. Like you said, congratulations. November, right? Yes, sir. All right. Um, what's your next hobby? I know you're going to be crunch for time, but what's, is there any more room for you to have another hobby?
1: Ooh, man, I'm trying to hold off on the hobbies. So I mentioned earlier that I, I was an ambassador for Primo Ceramic grills. I actually had the opportunity to re-up that and decided not to just because I'm not sure what my cooking commitments or what availability I'm going to have for, for cooking. Uh, once, uh, the baby gets here, I want to be able to have some flexibility and not have commitments where i've got to post so many times a month and stuff like that so i i'm I'm holding off i'm I'm, i don't know if it's a hobby or not but i'm really trying hard to get some stuff done around the house that have that's been you know i've been sort of putting off and i feel like at this point if i put it off anymore it's just going to be inconvenient with the baby so trying to get the house ready I, i don't know that's kind of a lackluster answer i don't know how out, uh, detail on the cars that's that's been an expensive one and fairly new <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i want to see that that deionizer and and work that thing's awesome i'm i'm pretty jealous but uh man you gotta get one they're really not too bad i don't cool. know if
1: you've got somewhere to wash your car uh, where it's not in direct sunlight i don't i'm always washing in direct sunlight and i was yeah, that, dealing with water spots and so deionizer keeps you from getting water spots All
0: right, but i'm a nut like you I'll, i mean well, i'm now, I don't know about it, like you, but I'll wake up at 5 a.m. just to beat the heat. I'm just weird like that. <laughs> um, uh, what can we expect from you uh, to close out the year as far as cooking or, or baking? What do you got? Anything
1: uh, you can tell us? Oh, I'm not giving up on the year of pizza yet. I know that it's August. Uh, I still think I've got the time to, to really knock it out, especially uh, when I'm on paternity leave. Uh, I'm, I have a feeling I'm probably going to be bored to death. I know that I'll have my hands full with the baby. But I've got to do something to stay to stay sane. So maybe I'll I'll knock out the sourdough pizzas by the end of the year.
0: Perfect, Matt. You did great. You're officially off the grill. Um, this podcast is brought to you by ReloadRub.com. Uh, head over there, load up your cart with some award-winning rubs and swag. Use promo code Coda ten. Uh, this podcast is also brought to you by Ancient ANXYNT Outdoor Footwear. Head over to Ancient.com and use promo code POTTYMOUTH at checkout follow this podcast, like it, share it with someone special. Matt, thank you very much. Uh, where can people find you? Any closing words you got? Please say them now, buddy.
1: Uh, find me on Instagram at Farbecue. That's F-A-R-R-B-E-C-U-E. Uh, you can also find my website that has sort of the highlights of my photography journey and uh, recipes at farbecue.com or mattfar.net. So that's it. Hey, man, I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Matt. Um, no brainer. You're extremely talented. Like I said, I'm glad you're on my team. I'm glad you're a friend of mine. Uh, you're just you just. There's so many layers to you. It's great. I'm glad we got to talk a little bit about your story. We didn't even get into uh, other stuff that you're just completely knowledgeable about. Uh, Matt, you're a true professional. I-, I consider you a renaissance man. Uh, renaissance man. Keep it up. Big fan heres, Matt. Thank you once again. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning. In. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next.